What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to episode 166 of the Designated Players Podcast, if I remember correctly. Pretty sure no. it's 167. This is, this is 167, and I have typed out 165. So you're going to cut all that. We're going to try it again. Oh, I'm leaving all that in there. Love it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to 167, episode 167 of the Designated Players Podcast. Uh, we're back with MLS History Retold, and we have some really good ones this, this week. So first, players usually get a break from club duty if the national team calls, but not in this case for our friend Demarcus Beasley, who played 30 minutes of a game for the Chicago Fire directly after going a full 90 for the U.S. men's national team in 2004. That will be followed by a legendary piece of Earthquakes history where center back Troy Dyack got sent off the pitch. Instead of being angry, upset, or distraught, he celebrated. I'm Andrew, joined by my good buddy Connor. We'll dive into all of that and more on this week's episode of MLS History Retold. How you doing, buddy? I'm not doing great. Me either. I've spent far too much time with you this week. I would say this is that we we're going on by the end of this will be like three or four hours. It's gonna be ridiculous. I know it was like an hour and a half to two hours with you and Eli, and, yeah. and now we're gonna be recording. But at least at least we're skipping the Friday one this week. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, because... it'd be like a ridiculous, like too way too much time. Yeah, because somebody decides to go on a vacation. How dare you? priorities it's a you could classify it as a business trip because i'm going to see a sounders game okay fair as long as you're as long as you're doing some promotion for the pod i'm cool with it because that's that's priorities right there i will be Um, picking up a new scarf as well i love it i love it definitely get some shots get some pictures and we'll we'll get it tweeted out on mls uh dp pod away days uh we'll get some We'll Is that get a new some, thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I did that when I was at FCC. Unfortunately, nobody saw me. Um, I don't. I don't. You know, it's whatever. We'll get there eventually. But yeah, um, yeah. Definitely, definitely send some shots, and we'll uh, we'll get it out there. So I'm gonna come find you. You can take some fan pictures. It'll be great. Oh yeah, I'm sure people are dying to get fan pictures with the designated <laughs> they're, players they're, podcast. They're dying. They're dying to come and yell at you for some god awful takes that you've had. Oh, they'll just have to wait for Monday's episode. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of yelling from everybody about everybody's list. That's right. That's right. Um, I know you're dying to wonder, but I'm very tired. So I don't know why, but I'm just really, I'm really shocked today. Probably because we've been grinding so hard, uh, both on the podcast and our special project, which we we won't tell anybody about just yet, even though we've probably mentioned it a few times, but that's okay. I don't even think I know the special project. Yeah, because you refuse to help me with it right now. <laughs> okay, that that answered my question. I know what special project you're talking about now. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, before we continue on our baffling, why don't you go ahead and give us a scarf of the week? All right. Well, thank goodness for San Jose having so many good memories around this port in time. So I actually have relevant scarves. So for, I believe, the second week in a row, here is my San Jose scarf back again. Wow. You're so very original. I mean, what did you want me to do? Go out, buy a new scarf, and display it? I don't know. I've every time like we get every time, every time we do a Red Bull one, I have a different scarf. Yeah, if you ask me to do an Atlanta one, I have like three different Atlanta scarves I can go to. Well, maybe Atlanta should get more more relevant in the two thousand four. Yeah, maybe maybe they should go get a time machine so they can start up in two thousand four. <laughs> um, 
I've broken out the now collector's item Chicago Fire with the new old kind of not used anymore badge. So it's disappointing that that's the badge of Chicago Fire that you have. I know there's so many other ones. Like I said, I think there will be a good uh, a good couple of of ones on there that now need to be added to a list. I might put a list together of like old logos and stuff that I want to get to. Cause after I got that Colorado one, it looks sick. So now I'm kind of addicted. <laughs> I think you are already addicted. Shh. That's okay. Um, I believe I go first in this one. Isn't that true? Yes, that is correct. I'm going to get started then. If that's okay with you. I'll allow it. See, that's how we that's how we mend this bridge. All right. The term for club and country usually means giving it your all to perform at the highest level for whatever team you are currently with, whether it be your domestic club or the badge for your country. Now, naturally, that means that you are picking one or the other. However, on July 11th, 2004, DeMarcus Beasley took this whole slogan to a brand new level. On this day, the USMNT entered a one-game friendly against Poland, looking to continue a streak of very good performances on the year. They were unbeaten in six matches with five straight wins. Only two goals were conceded in that time, and they were in one game. one nothing versus Poland. one nothing versus Mexico. Shocker, not. One nothing versus uh, four nothing versus Honduras, three nothing, and then three two versus Grenada in the World Cup qualifying circle. In this stretch, Beasley scored four of the twelve goals for the U.S. men's national team and was proving that he was a massive part of the plans going forward, even at twenty two years old. So of course he did not want to be left out of this friendly either. So when he was called up, he very much wanted to go. The only problem: Chicago Fire were scheduled to play the New England Revolution in the second game of a doubleheader that So, at 22 years old, DeMarcus Beasley did the unthinkable. Both games were played at Soldier Field in Chicago, and there was a 30-minute break between matches. With this information, Beasley started testing the waters a little bit. He called up then-fire head coach Dave Sorachin and presented him with the craziest of ideas. In an interview, he said, I told him that I wanted to play in both games. And he responded by saying that there was just no way I was going to play. And I just left it at that. A couple of weeks go by and we get to game day. The U.S. would play Poland to a 1-1 draw in front of 40,000 fans skewed towards the Polish uh, nationality in Soldier Field with Carlos Bocanegra getting an 89th minute equalizer. Beasley, as we mentioned, went the full 90 uh, for USMNT coach Bruce Arena. As soon as the match was ended, Beasley searched high and low inside Soldier Field to find Dave Sarachin and pleaded to be involved. I told him I feel fine, that I could even start if he wanted me to. He gave me a little laugh and said if I really meant it, I could make the bench. And if they needed me, I could get in in the second half. And that was all he needed to hear. Beasley ran over to the fire dressing room uh, in Soldier Field to greet his mates, and they responded exactly how you would expect. They asked me what the hell I was doing. I told them I felt fine. I wanted to give what I could to the team. Now, it wasn't mentioned at the time, but upon reflection, 
Beasley recognized that the driving force behind his rash decision was that this may have been the last time that he would play in front of the fire supporters. His deal with PSV was nearing completion, which meant that he was going to make a trip overseas very, very soon, and he wanted to play for his club. He mentioned this to Sarakin, and Beasley thinks it swayed his mind a little. So then in the 60th minute of this fire game, Sarakin gave the signal, Beasley took off the warm-ups, and stood poised and ready to enter the game for the Chicago Fire. This is now less than two hours after going a full 90 for his country, which, as anybody who has watched the U.S. national team before or after MLS games knows, the level of intensity is a bit higher in international games. Fans erupted with joy as they were told leading up to the match that Beasley was not getting in at all that night, so don't hold your breath. Thinking that they had seen the last of him in a fire kit, this sent them over the moon. With the game nodded at one, Beasley gave what he could to the fire that night. However, destiny determined that the points were to be split at the final whistle. The game ended 1-1, and that was how his cameo finished. In his interview, he said that moment, it didn't really matter about the results, but just to be able to play in two matches with two teams in one night, that was pretty special. When asked about his fitness after the match, he responded, exactly as you would expect. I was completely exhausted. I played 30 minutes and I couldn't run anymore. My legs were like jello. Beasley notes that his, uh, next to his U.S. Open Cup championships, doing the double duty for USMNT and fire in the same night was one of his favorite moments of his career, although many people don't remember. He closed the interview with a statement of gratitude. Obviously, when you're with the national team, you don't play with your club team. So the fact that they felt I was important enough to play in both games was pretty special to me. He also noted that he's glad he did it when he was so young, because if given the opportunity today, he would run the other way and laugh at you. And that was the story of DeMarcus Beasley doing double duty. So I guess a full 90 and an extra 30, it's it's kind of just like full 90 plus full extra time. So he actually, he did mention that in this um, interview that I looked up and I'll, I'll go find it just to be sure. Um, it was hot time in old town was, it was the Chicago Fire, um, I think it's a, it's the Barstool, uh, SB Nation. Remember how SB Nation used to have like, indiv- yeah, so it was, that was the SB Nation Chicago Fire one. And he, he went on to say, Beasley played 120 minutes, plenty of times in his careers, but it was always in extra time. Playing 90 minutes, then sitting on the bench for 60 more and playing again was a very different thing, is what he said. So. Yeah, so because that's the thing too, right? When you're when you're in it, ninety minutes. All right, I'm going, I'm going, going. Okay, I got a I got a five minute break. We go again. Sixty minutes of going hot to cold to back to to going again. That's tough. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure he was. I'm sure his body was really feeling that at the end. Forget like just being tired, like cardio wise. I'm sure the body was just completely exhausted by the end of that. Yeah, and he would actually end up going on to play two more games for uh, Chicago, a midweek and one on the weekend after that. Um, and then he left. So it wasn't his last chance, but nobody knew that at the time. So, Gotcha. Okay. Good story. Yeah, very hey, unique. Wish- that's, that's, a, that's an MLS unique one. You don't see that anywhere else, especially early days. You're not going to see that now either. Yeah, yeah, definitely not nowadays. I feel like everybody's very careful about how they uh, handle everybody's game time. 
You know who was not? Oh, you, you can't mute before I do my transition. <laughs> you know who wasn't very careful, though? Was it Troy Dyack after getting his red card? It was Troy Dyack after getting his red card. Oh. I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you all about it. Um, but this week, I have a couple of sources for this one, so I do want to credit it there. So uh, I used an MLS quote sheet, which was a really cool thing that I found. So a bunch of quotes from that game. Uh, looked at the transfer market page for that game as well. And then there was a clip of the red card from MLS, sorry, from Major League Soccer Archive on YouTube. So if you want to see the clip, it's a short but sweet clip of the red card and the celebration. It's on YouTube. Go take a look. All right, but let's jump into the story. So red cards are often a sign of disaster for a team. Having to play a man down is a massive disadvantage and could completely ruin a game for a team or even put a team already in a hole further down said hole. So when Troy Dyack received a red card in the 62nd minute of the San Jose Earthquakes game against the New England Revolution, while the team was already 2-0 down, things were looking bleak. Let's start at the beginning of the game. It's match day 17, the sixth place San Jose Earthquakes are taking on the dead last New England Revolution. A fairly star-studded affair in this one with the likes of Pat Onstad and Landon Donovan taking on Taylor Twellman and Shalri Joseph. The Revs in this one would jump out to an early lead thanks to a 24th-minute goal from Pat Noonan. The score would remain 1-0 for the Revs going into halftime, uh, and early in the second half, Jose Concella would double the advantage for the Revs in the 54th minute. The Revs were clearly in the driver's seat at this point. However, it was not long after this point when we would get to the incident that we are talking about here today. Before diving into the incident, I do want to make a quick comparison to our friends over in the NHL. There are many times when a team is struggling or someone on the, uh, sorry, there are many times when a team is struggling and someone on the team in an attempt to get his teammates fired up will start a fight with someone on the other team. The same could be said for soccer. However, there is a distinct difference between the two. Hockey's penalty for fighting lasts for five minutes, whereas soccer's is likely for the rest of the game. While Troy Dyack's red card was not for fighting, it certainly seemed to be an attempt to fire his team up and, and also maybe an attempt on Shalry Joseph's life. In the 62nd minute, a ball was floated into the New England box to which Shalry Joseph and a couple of San Jose players would jump to challenge for the ball. Afterwards, Joseph would fall, on the, uh, fall to the floor in a heap and the ref would immediately blow the whistle, stopping the game. He'd reach into his pocket and give a straight red to one of the players that challenged for the ball, that being Troy Dyack. On replay of the incident, it was clear Dyack gave an elbow straight to the side of Joseph's head, a clear straight red card. While leaving the field with no contest, no contest to the red, might I add, he took off his shirt, waving his hands in the air in an attempt to get the home crowd fired up and pushing their team to try and get something from this match. But boy, was that going to be difficult while already being down 2-0 and now being a man down. But if we learned anything about this San Jose team over the past few episodes, it's that they love a bit of drama. It seems though, uh, that the dr- it seems though that the drama must have run out in the 2003 playoff run because as the 90th minute came by, the score remained the same. Good news for Quakes fans though is that at this point in MLS history, they finally added extra time. Or at least that's what transfer market had. So the game was not quite over yet. And sure enough, in the 91st minute, who else but the legend himself, Landon Donovan, steps up to bring one back for San Jose. 2-1, game on, but really not a lot of time left at this point. Then, 
in beautiful San Jose fashion, Brian Ching finds the equalizer in the 94th minute to pull off the miracle one-point comeback. There were a few quotes from San Jose players and staff after the game actually crediting the red card for being a motivating factor behind their comeback, with head coach Dominic Kinnear uh, saying, sometimes it takes us getting mad or angry at something before we start to play well. And defender Jeff Agus being quoted as saying, what spurred us was that red card. However, in the same quotes, there was frustration for the Quakes play in this game and thus far in the season. Dominic is further quoted saying, we shouldn't need that. We should play the way we did in the last two minutes the entire game. And Jeff further quoted saying, we played better with 10 men than with 11. And that's a problem. It's been a problem all season. It almost seems as though that it almost seems as though the inspiration they found behind the red card really opened their eyes to the issue that was to the issue that this team has not been playing well and should not be relying on incidents like this to start playing well. I won't spoil too much about the rest of the season, considering we will likely talk about it in a future episode. However, the wake-up call was not really not really received by San Jose, as they would finish 7th in the table, despite being the reigning champions and being more talented on paper than their finish implies. I will tell you, there is literally no other team where I expect something like this to happen than the San Jose Earthquakes. Between... Goonies time back in 2011, 2012, 2013, between uh, Wando in the stands, you know, celebr- you know, after a red card celebrating with fans, like everything about this screams San Jose. And I just, I love it. This team is fun, surprisingly. Cause you it's would, so much you, fun. If you look at recency bias, it's anything but fun. But they've been fun in the oh, past. Oh, man. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my favorite thing I used to do back in like, middle school to early high school was stay up for LA San Jose at like 10 o'clock on a Saturday or Saturday or Sunday night, because I knew it was going to be just nonsense. Like I remember watching games where I call it Goonies time. I'm trying to remember Steve Lennart, Steve Lennart with his big yellow Afro-y hair would score goals in like the 93rd minute of 91 minutes of extra time. Like for whatever reason, well, like two get two over score a winning or a tying goal, go take his shirt off, you know, run over there. They would have Stevie Lenhart nights where they would have like blonde afros to the fans. So he'd That's go cool. put, put one on top and look exactly the same. <laughs> like just complete, just utter debauchery. It was phenomenal. Uh, they were, they were one of the best teams to watch back in the day. So um, yeah, they're getting good again now. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, only, only the galaxy could pull it together. <laughs> no, no. Um, all right. Well, two very good stories for this week's episode of MLS History Retold. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you go back and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. So, you know, next time we go and put one of these episodes out, which I know Connor is going to tell us is going to be. Scoring the final golden goal in MLS history. Oh, nice. As well as the 2004 Eastern Conference Finals. Probably more likely all of the 2004 playoffs. Awesome. Well, we love a good playoff run. We love talking about stuff like that. Um, and then, of course, the final golden goal in MLS history. That's just, we love talking about great goals, right? So some good stuff coming up. Make sure you subscribe for those. Uh, follow us wherever you get your social media content, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or TikTok. Um, we're there. Just search the designated players podcast. You'll find us. 
that's where we post all of our clips, all of our, our shorts and, and things like that. And that's where we get most of the interaction from you guys. So uh, come interact with us. Let us know what you think about these uh, stories. And then, of course, leave a comment. Let us know what you thought uh, and what other stories we may have already missed. Remember, we're already July 2004 now. So if you go back and you find things that like, hey, why didn't you talk about this? Let us know. We'll add it in. We'll cover it. But until then, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the next episode of the Designated Players Podcast. See ya.